This episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about something we could all use more of right now. Yeah, that's right. Sex. Great sex. Guys, now you can increase your performance and get extra confidence in the bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com is the place to go. That's right. Blue. Like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. If you could benefit from more confidence right where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. That's right. When you use the promo code EMPIRE, you pay just $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, the promo code EMPIRE, to try it for free. That's right. BlueChew.com. Use the promo code Empire. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip. I am your host, JP John Paz, and with me today is a New York Times bestseller, He's an author and a writer for Inside the Ropes magazine and a former writer for the WWF magazine. He's now the author of a new book called Too Sweet, Inside the Indie Wrestling Revolution. He is Mr. Keith Elliott Greenberg. Keith, welcome to the two-man power trip. John, thank you for having me here. Hey, no problem. So please, let's start off talking about this great new book, Although not maybe not so new now, but still to a lot of the fans new, uh, too sweet inside the indie wrestling revolution. How'd you get started doing it? Why did you feel like this was necessary to put out? Well, this all goes back to uh, the WrestleMania in New Orleans, and I've told this story a couple of times before. As I was walking around Bourbon Street, I noticed a lot of people wearing Bullet Club shirts, and I thought to myself, well, you know, WWE really started this party. 
But a lot of people are celebrating something that has nothing to do with WWE. And when I got back home, I called Michael Holmes, my editor, well, the executive editor at ECW Press, and uh, he noticed the same thing. And I said, I think indie wrestling has gone big enough to the point that we can put out a book about it and actually sell a few copies. And, you know, this was before AEW, but that was the genesis of uh, Too Sweet inside the indie wrestling revolution. Very cool. And you're right. I mean, the Bullet Club thing took off and the indie scene kind of got really, really hot. So how's the book doing and how is ECW Press feeling about it? Well, you know what? I can only tell you how I'm feeling about it, you know, because I don't get my royalty checks for a while. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. And very interestingly, as I've been monitoring the book sales, you know, I was very worried, like when the Young Bucks book came out, because it came out a short time afterwards, that it would eclipse my book. It seemed like my book sales went up when the, the Young Bucks book came out. And I think what happened was people went on Amazon and then it said other books you might be interested in. And my right. book was on there. And so I, you know, I got the rub from the bucks. <laughs> that is good though. I mean, uh, good, good thing. Yeah. And, and I enjoyed their book a lot. So that's even better. I mean, I also happened to put out a book during a, like a rare year where there's a lot of great wrestling books. I mean, the Andre the Giant book came out you know, JR's book came out. So there's been some really good books this year. For sure. And obviously, you know, your book uh, definitely up there and, and definitely a good seller for sure. So what have you thought about the indie scene and just indie wrestling right now? Like, you think that it's hotter than it's ever been? Well, you know, it depends how you define indie. And this is another uh, point that I make early on in the book. I chose to define indie as everything but WWE. And um, for a while, I wasn't sure if that would hold because here's AEW. They're funded by the people who own the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they are on TNT. But they've been bringing in so much indie talent that I think they are really working hard to establish the indie bona fides. I mean, you look at a guy like Eddie Kingston, if he's a major player in AEW, I'll still link AEW with indies. And so, yeah, I mean, people have struggled. It's COVID time. But, um, you know, I went to the collective this year. GCW brought together a bunch of promotions in Indiana. I'm going to go to the collective during WrestleMania weekend. I'm going to go to WrestleCon during WrestleMania weekend, I do think there's a fascination with things outside WWE. And it doesn't mean that you exclude WWE. You can be a fan of Braun Strowman and be a fan of Danhausen. Yeah, for sure. Now, are you going there to sell some books or are you going there as a fan? Um, I'm going there as a um, both a participant and an observer. I'm currently writing a book that I've called, um, I've, this is the working title, it's Follow the Buzzards, uh, wrestling, pro wrestling during the time of COVID-19. And, um, you know, I'm going to be doing some research. I'm going to be kind of tying up the loose ends of the book. Uh, we, you know, we couldn't figure out when the book should end. 
at first I just wanted to do the book about 2020. But 2020, we hadn't really resolved anything. Now we've had a vaccine. I've gotten vaccinated twice. Probably one of the few things that's good about being the age that I am. And, uh, you know, if they left fans into WrestleMania, that's a nice point to tie up a book about wrestling during the time of COVID-19. So I'll be at WrestleMania. I'll be probably writing for Inside the Ropes magazine about my observations. And, um, you know, I'll be observing and I'll probably write the final chapter about WrestleMania 37. And, you know, not that that it's all going to be over, but it's a good ending point for a book. Absolutely. And I think that is a cool kind of topic because wrestling, you know, some shows lived on, some shows didn't, some shows just like completely disappeared in, in this year. So that's going to be I a like, fascinating I, I, yeah, read. That, like I spoke to Tommy Dreamer and Tommy Dreamer said, you know, I had to shut my promotion down. Like, how am I going to compete? I, I can't get everybody COVID tested. You know how much that costs? And, you know, that's an unfortunate thing. I'm hoping these things will roar back. I'm, and I'm sorry I cut you off in the middle when you were talking, but I'm really hoping that fans miss having their indies in their hometown and that there's a demand for that once, you know, we can be out in public and stand next to each other again. Yeah, hope it comes back. It's, it'll be interesting to see who's gone forever and, and, indeed, who will come back to wrestling, right? Right, yes. Although it was lovely being at the collective this summer to see so many indie wrestlers and wrestlers who told me that they were, you know, working out in a ring, you know, like in a barn, just, you know, trying to keep their skills sharp. I spoke to Jeff Cobb. He he spoke about when he came back, he took this high back body drop at a New Japan um, strong show. And uh, he's like, hit hit the ring and he's like, wow, I shouldn't have done that. That really hurts. So, you know, these these are different times. They really are. And it's kind of like crazy to think like, wow, so many of these guys went from working twice a week, maybe even three or four times a week, to working zero one time a month. I mean, it's just so crazy to see the, the fluctuation and what happened. Yeah, like I spoke to Dan Housen, and he told me that because he's Canadian, quarantine every time he came back to he's not Canadian, I'm sorry. He he's from Michigan, but he lived in Montreal. He's raising a family there. So every time he would come back to Canada, he would have to quarantine for two weeks. And the two weeks would end and then he would take three or four bookings at outdoor Indies during the summer and then have to repeat the process. And you know, look, he's he's an educated guy. He didn't want to give people COVID. He didn't want to give his family COVID, but a lot of people got affected this year, infected this year. You know, Aunt Anderson had it, Drew McIntyre had it, McFoley had it. You know, this was um, a year unlike many others. Yeah, for sure. Or is that going to be in the book as well, kind of covering uh, what happened to a lot of the guys? Yeah, yes. That'll be in the book. Speaking out will be in the book. Uh, The WWE furloughs. Um, WWE performers landing elsewhere. I mean, we, you know, today somebody sent me a text about the big show. I'm like, you're, you're working me, right? So, you know, WWE is grabbing some really great indie performers, some of whom I, I saw perform during the COVID era. 
you know, Blake Christian and, uh, you know, Ben, Ben, uh, was it Ben Carter? Great mm-hmm. performance. And, um, you know, so, but then AEW is grabbing great people too. So in some ways, this is a very exciting period still to be arrested. What do you think about Big Show? Do you think uh, crazy, crazy signing there? Well, you know, uh, when when I was on retainer for the WWE magazine, I spent a lot of time hanging out with Big Show. At one point, Big Show had a van that was outfitted for him, and he'd invite me to ride with him. And I have to tell you, he is one entertaining guy when you're just telling stories. You forget he's a giant, and you're just amused by him. If they can put him behind a microphone, I think the fans are really going to welcome him. For sure. And what was your time like uh, working for WB Magazine? I definitely wanted to touch on that as well. I was there for 22 years, and it was a good 22 years. But I realized that my time with WB Magazine was coming to an end when I found myself complaining all the time. I didn't like the storyline. I didn't. Somehow, I didn't like the way people were being treated in the office. And I was, like, aware that I was doing this for, you know, the first 21 years I managed to avoid falling into that. And I I found this, like, sourness spilling out of me. And I realized that, you know, my time is coming to an end there. And I was generating it, and it was probably being generated upon me. Yeah, so what I was saying was that I found myself complaining. Suddenly I didn't like storyline. Suddenly, you know, I wasn't, you know, that entranced with what I was seeing on WWE television. And I'd seen other people fall into that trap themselves. And I'd say, this person is done wrong for this company. And then it happened to me. I found myself complaining a lot. I remember running into a WWE sound person in New Jersey somewhere and bitching about the company and I could feel it like I was the one being a malcontent and I could tell I wasn't going to stick around for long. So how frequently did you write for the magazine like in your the later I, years? I wrote every month for the magazine. I was on a monthly retainer. And it was a great deal. And then this guy took over the magazine and about him because he ended up, um, you know, making the magazine more like a lad mag, and um, you know, a lot of the people he brought on weren't natural wrestling fans. That there was a feeling they condescended to wrestling. But to be fair, the guy said at this point they were paying me so much that it really wasn't worth the money. He said I can get two recently graduated college students who were very knowledgeable wrestling fans and, you know, hire them. And they'll be in the office every day. They'll copy editing. They'll be doing grunt work that you feel you're too special to do. But he said, I'll make a deal with you. I'll keep bringing you on as a freelancer. And he did. And WWE still, to this day, the fourth edition of the WWE Encyclopedia came out and, you know, I'm listed there as a, as a co-author. So, you know, I have no complaints and no bitterness for WWE. How did you get in there originally? Like when you first started working there, how did you kind of get into and how did you get the job? 
Well, you know, I was always a wrestling fan since I was born. You know, I, I came from a family true believers. And so wrestling was always around. Like, I don't remember a time in my life where wrestling wasn't on. And I started, I became a professional writer at 19 years old, which is 42 years, uh, 43 years ago now. And when I started to pitch myself, uh, you know, people say, why, why should we hire you? You're just a kid. What do you know about that our writers don't know about? And I said, the one thing I know about that I'm sure your writers don't know about professional wrestling. Now, if this were now, there would probably be people who grew up during the Attitude Era who would know more than me. I was fortunate there, were, there wasn't anyone who grew up during the Bruno or Pedro or Bob Batson era who was any, you know, in terms of knowledge, could beat me in that. So when you first kind of got in there, who was like, who was the boss or who was like in charge of the magazine? Was it Linda? Uh, Linda, I spoke to quite a bit and Linda was very respectful. Um, you know, there'd be times when she'd feel I got something wrong. We would have great conversations and she would say, I relate to you. You know, this, you know, this is a formula that's evolving all the time. It's ever changing. Um, and Edward Schutte was my direct editor. And he was a very erudite man who had traveled all over the world. And so I had this educated man who was not originally a wrestling fan, but he was a boxer and a martial artist. And he could teach me about, you know, about writing. And Linda and sometimes Vince McMahon and sometimes Steve Taylor, the photographer, would step forward and teach me about the very unique and ever-changing rules of WWE. Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is sponsored by Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. It's 2021. Get rid of the cigarettes, unplug the vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy Nicotine gum or lozenges. Folks, this is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your house each month. So it is simple, and you don't have to leave the house because Lucy has delivery down. Two-man power trip of wrestling listeners. Go to lucy.co and use promo code POWERTRIP to get 20% off all products, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code POWERTRIP at checkout. Also, I have to give you this disclaimer. Warning! This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. So go to lucy.co and make sure to use that promo code POWERTRIP like my brother-in-law does. He really, really has switched from cigarettes to Lucy. So it is just an unbelievable thing for me to promote this stuff to you. One more time, lucy.co. Make sure to use the promo code Power trip. Now, when did Vince Russo kind of jump on board and become the editor of the magazine? Uh, well, the time of WrestleMania 10. And can I, I will say this for the rest of my life. I consider Vince a friend for life, and that has nothing to do with wrestling. And there's nothing to do with his, his storyline. We became real friends personally 
like human to human. And, you know, he would confide to me on the phone. He would tell me his goals. I didn't always agree with him. I disagreed with him. But um, as, in terms of just being a friend, he was always a good friend. I hope I was as good a friend to him. And he wanted to shake things up. And I still remember when he put the words WCW in a WWE publication. And Vince McMahon was not happy. But um, that was the opening to the attitude here. And for whatever you say about Vince Russo, and Vince followed him in. Yeah, absolutely. He kind of uh, opened the door, like you said, for the Attitude Era, which ended up helping them finally beat WCW after losing for basically two yeah, straight years. Right, right. And then Vince went. I remember, you know, when, when Vince Russo went to WCW, I was in North Carolina covering a hurricane for CBS. And uh, he called me right away and, you know, told me, I'm leaving. But that didn't mean we weren't friends. We were not friends anymore. Now, did I like what he did in WCW? A lot of times I did not. That does, it, you know, that doesn't mean that we cease to be friends. I mean, you know, we, we're just getting past a very politically polarized era. And I was able to maintain friendship all through that era and not really espouse my opinions about uh, what was going on in the United States. Crazy times, uh, that, that, that is uh, for sure. So he was he technically, I guess, your boss, really, for the magazine for, for a period of time? He was technically my boss. He was a boss and a friend. Edward Schutte was my boss and a friend. Uh, Vince Russo was my boss and a friend. Barry Warner was a boss and a friend. I, you know, um, you know we're a community, uh, this, like, demented community of wrestling fans, whether you're taking bumps in the ring, or whether you're a writer or photographer, just a fan. That's something I learned through writing this book, Complete Inside the Indie Wrestling Revolution. You know, no one's better than anybody else. Maybe somebody else is taking the hit. But without the fan, and the wrestlers acknowledge this, where would they be? So we all, in, in a, in, you know, in ideal circumstances, bolster each other up. As far as some new stuff, is there a new History of WWF magazine coming out that you're working on? Um, that, that's out in the current issue of uh, yeah, Brian Solomon, who worked for, who was the editor of SmackDown magazine. He wrote the article. I wrote a sidebar. But that's out now in Inside the Ropes magazine. And, um, you know, I spoke to Barry Warner, who was the publisher. He said it was a very objective portrayal of the WWE magazine. You know, me personally, I don't have it in my heart to uh, bash people in the wrestling business. I spoke about my own experiences. I always felt as a, as a fan, even if, if, like, say, the Ultimate Warrior, a lot of people would say, well, they can't work, selling out arenas. And I never felt it was my place to say, he can't work, he's a lousy worker, he blows up. You know, I, I just wanted to support the business, promote the business, rather than demean aspects of the business. I'm right there with you. Hey, if you could put the butts in the seats, you must, you must be a pretty good worker in one right. form or fashion. But in one form or another. Certainly with uh, the ultimate warrior, Danny Hodge, no. And, right. you know, 
would I rather, I, I remember like visiting my grandparents in, in Florida, in Miami, Florida, and seeing Pedro Morales against an aging Pat O'Connor. And he's thinking like, these are two great, a WWF champion and NWA champion together in the same ring. Yeah, it was a good scientific match. Personally, I'd rather see that than, you know, some razzle-dazzle stuff. My sensibility. You know, I raised a family. My children grew up watching wrestling. And sometimes, I remember I took my daughter to an NXT show and the next night to a SummerSlam. And she said, honestly, even though the NXT show was technically better, she didn't use that terminology, I'd rather see SummerSlam. It's where the stars come. And so, you know, nothing wrong with that. You know, you can be a fan of indie wrestling. You can be a fan of blood matches. You could be a blood mark. You know, you could be an AEW fan. You could be a fan of everything. That is very, very true. As far as some WB books, what WB books did you kind of help write? Uh, well, I co-wrote Rick Flair's book. I co-wrote Freddie Blackie's book. I co-wrote Superstar Billy Graham's book. And I co-wrote the non-published um, Iron Sheep uh, autobiography, which is maybe the best of all of them. But I guess the decision was made that it didn't really help the brand. I mean, the Iron Sheep didn't hold back. And as his co-author, I didn't hold him back. And I guess the decision was made does this really help the product? And, and you know, at the time it was a PG-13 product. So, uh, you know, I, it, it was an honor to work with all of these guys. As far as kind of doing anything else with them in the future, is it still open for you to do it? I know you said you were kind of done with it. I, I never had a falling out with them. You know, everything was always respectful. Whenever I see anybody from WWE, you know, before COVID, we would hug each other. If it was now, you know, if I ran to them today, we'd have our masks on and we'd fist, we'd, we'd bump elbows. Now that I've had my uh, vaccinations, maybe I'd actually hug them finally. Uh, you know, I've never had bad feelings about them. I've had good conversations with every member of the McMahon family. If you read my book, I praise Triple H and his influence on NXT. In my new book about wrestling during the time of uh, COVID-19, I've already written this part where I say, uh, you know, Stephanie's marriage to Triple H was perhaps the best investment the McMahon family ever made. So I imagine, that, you know, everybody still likes me. Yeah, I could, uh, I could see them liking you for sure. As far as the book, the, uh, you know, Too Sweet book, The Indie Revolution, what do you consider, like, the start? Do you, like, I know, you obviously, you know, the kind of tagline from the bingo halls to a viable alternative and things like that, and you go into further things, but where do you think Indy started? With the quote-unquote outlaw shows? Well, I, I talk about outlaws, and I go back into the early 1960s, um, you know, and talk about the outlaw shows. So, um, you know, I think that outlaw shows gave birth to indie shows. I think there's always been an outlaw element in professional wrestling. It, it began in the carnivals. And, um, you know, indie wrestling took on a life of its own, I'd say maybe in the 80s or the 90s. And then after the death of uh, 
WCW and ECW, that was the alternative. And then first you had former ECW, WCW, WWF performers on, on indie shows. And then around 2012, Revolution Pro started in England. Progress started. Uh, PWG in, in L.A. took off. And uh, suddenly the world changed. And now you had indie stars. Uh, you know, guys like Kevin Steen and AJ Styles. You know, they were stars onto themselves. Nobody needed the old timers anymore. And ultimately, the bigger promotions grabbed these guys and they became part of the established promotions. But even a guy like AJ Styles is in his 40s. You look at him and he still brings a lot of that indie attitude to, to professional wrestling, even to WWE. What do you think about some of the, the guys and some of the talents that are considered, you know, the, the indie stars, but eventually can make it to either AEW or WTV? Do you think that they're stars per se, or are they quote-unquote indie stars, if, if that makes sense? I, I mean, I, you know, look, I've seen Joey Janela. Joey, my book starts and ends with Joey Janela. I've watched Joey Janela on the indies. Joey Janela is a superstar on the Indies. And interestingly, even after AEW, I saw him at an outdoor show outside Chicago this summer, and he was a superstar on that show. That's a star. You know what? If you can titillate the people, whether, you know, the wrestlers always say this, whether it's 400,000, well, not four, they'll say whether it's 60,000 or six people, there's star quality there. Definitely, for sure. I mean, there's something to being able to be over, quote-unquote, whether it's the small crowd, indie crowd, whatever. There's a certain thing or a certain it about you that, that you can get over with the crowd. Yes, exactly. Now, you do mention a, a couple of my favorites in the book, uh, Mike Quackenbush and uh, Reckless Youth from my independent days back in New Jersey. You used to see those guys all the time in the, the 90s and the late 90s. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And I, I actually spoke to Mike Quackenbush about two weeks ago. And, you know, like the people who love Chikara, that's great stuff. Like that stuff they'll... Uh, you know, they will be holding on to the rest of their lives. Yeah, for sure. And do you think that the indie, let's say that indie boom, can it pick up again? Or do you think that, because, you know, there was definitely a significant boom period there for the indies. Well, do you think it, it, it can pick up again or no? interesting to say, and that's a great question. There will always be people who have the hunger. And the hunger, sometimes the hunger is, fueled by the dearth of exciting wrestling. And I think there's a lot of wrestling that people are intrigued by now. Maybe not mainstream people, but, you know, WWE, they had a, a you know, a financially successful year. I watched SummerSlam, uh, not SummerSlam, Royal Rumble. I was pretty jazzed for the Royal Rumble. And, um, you know, AEW is pretty exciting. And I think there's people who've grown up watching this stuff. They'll always be out there. And I, I do. I think yeah, I interviewed these guys for my new book, The Regal Twins, who are New Japan Strong. 
Those guys were just hoping for their break. They'll always be guys like the legal twins. So as long as there's wrestling that you can access, and we live in the social media era, um, I do think there will be people who aspire to be professional wrestlers. Now, I don't know if you saw this today, but WWE basically had the performance center picture of all the new signees and all the people they signed. It was a lot. I mean, it was much more than the normal. There usually is like six yes, people. Yes, and it, that's it was, part of my new book. I mean, you know, there's this kid who looks like Brock Lesnar. There's Rick Steiner's son. Yep. There's uh, the, uh, you know, the woman who held the knockouts championship more than any other woman. So... WWE is making moves, and the same day, uh, Big Show gets signed to AEW. So, this, even with COVID, this is a very exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Do you think that hurts the indies when all those people get signed? Do you think that there's somebody else behind them that's going to come right up and fill their shoes? You know, when I started working on this project and I was talking to indie promoters, they were very concerned about it. But, you know, when I went to a couple of indie shows this summer, there were some great young performers, some of whom have been signed by now. But you know what? Every time a, uh, you know, a Blake Christian or, uh, you know, a Ben Carter gets signed or, you know, the, the, uh, the Rascals, there, there are kids who were sitting at that outdoor football stadium outside Chicago. That's where they're going to go. You know, I, it's like rock and roll. I don't think just because you have a superstar act that people are going to stop playing music. Do you think that there's wrestling fans that are independent fans, or are they just fans in general, not necessarily indie wrestling fans? I think there are fans of everything. There are people who only watch indies. There are tons of people who only watch WWE. I sometimes talk to fans who have never watched you know, AEW. Um, you know, there are friends I have who only watch New Japan. Uh, but now AEW and Impact in New Japan are all blending together, and maybe Ring of Honor will. So I think there's something for everybody. Like, there's no rule about what kind of fan you can be. Do you think that if all these promotions are working together, it actually hurts the indie scene, or do you think that it, it'll help it flourish? I think it's good for the wrestling business, my opinion. I think, you know, back in the 80s when I was in my 20s, uh, Vern Gagne and Jim Crockett Jr. and Carlos Colon in Puerto Rico and, uh, you know, Jerry Jarrett in Memphis, they tried to start this thing called Pro Wrestling USA. And the shows were good. I went to a couple of shows at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. But Vince McMahon joked uh, they couldn't even agree who was going to order lunch that day. You know, Tony Khan is not like these old-time carnies. And I think that um, it gets people excited. It gets people who may have given up on WWE a reason to follow wrestling. And you know what? Competition is good for the business. It's good for every business. With your book, what do you think, like that the fans would definitely kind of get into the most when you go through the indie scene? Would it be kind of like the old school indies as you're walking everybody through, or do you think they're going to be more into, like, the, the new age stuff? Look, there are people who, yeah, like, I respond to every Twitter, you know, message I get. 
um, there are people who say too much AEW in here. And there are people who say, this is great. You talk about the genesis of the industry and the beginnings of AEW. Uh, there are people who will find a little indie promotion they love. There are Chikara fans or Ring of Honor fans who will get turned on by that. I, you know, I apologize in the book for not mentioning everyone, but I think everyone will feel represented. I do love like how you kind of go through the history, you know, of wrestling and even talk about the all in pay-per-view, which technically is a huge indie show. You know what I mean? Basically it's a huge indie show, yeah. but it's a game changer. And that is a turning point in the history of the wrestling business. I'm not going to compare it to the, in- Oh, I'm, I'm not going to compare it to the invention of television, but you know, it, it, it is a real turning point. Yes. Yes. Uh, just please give us all the plugs you got. Okay, so the book is called Too Sweet, Inside the Indie Wrestling Revolution. Um, it's been, uh, it came out in September. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on ECW Press. And I appreciate all the support I can get. And I appreciate you, John, for having me on the two-man power trip, which uh, is quite an honor. No problem. I'd like to thank you for all your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.